Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil, and this is the show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between wherever you are, whatever device or platform you're listening on. You know what to do. Like and subscribe, five-star review, specifically on Spotify. We got videos on Spotify now. It's like me and Joe Rogan. It's just the two of us. So uh, I'm slightly less controversial, but just as fun, right? Just as fun. Emily, so excited that you're here. My incredible guest today, Evelyn Kaufman. She's an author. She's an athlete. She is an advocate. She's great with alliteration, too, by the way. Podcast is Live Your Personal Best. Her book, Elite to Everyday Athlete, will have the stuff in the show notes. You can go buy it. Emily, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is all mine. I'm excited. We get to talk about rowing, which is like something I think a bunch of people picked up in the pandemic with their row machines. And I mm -hmm. think everyone kind of dropped it already because why on god's earth right um excited to talk about your book excited about to talk about you as a person as a whole you're um we both went through the same book club kind of mm -hmm. so that was fun uh we both love podcasting this is gonna be so much fun emily the first question of course i have for everybody on the for the love of sports podcast is why do you love sports so much yeah, you know, I think I love it just because that's where I figure out everything else that I want in life. Like, I feel like the things that I like in sports, I'm like, oh, this is now what I like in a job. This is what I like in friends. This is what I like in myself. You know, it all kind of stemmed from sports and it almost still does in a way. Um, so I love having that part of my life. I guess what are some of those things that you look for and like that you that you found in sports that you then say like, oh, this would be cool if I could do this every day or or have this as an everyday piece of my life. I think that's important. Yeah, so I didn't realize till after, but my role on the rowing team was I had to be a source of motivation. I was the person leading the boat. I had to be, you know, like confident, but motivating and encouraging. And then, you know, a year after I stopped sports, I picked up my podcast and it turned into a motivational, encouraging podcast. And all my old teammates were like, oh, yeah, that's so fitting. And I was like, why did this take me so long to realize I can like still do this in real life? Isn't that funny when you kind of like, it was it was right in front of your face the entire time, but it kind of just took like that extra like, oh, wait, wait, duh, like this is easy. This is exactly mm -hmm. what I want to do. And that's awesome. That's really cool that you're able to find that through something like podcasting, um, which is it's a funny medium, right? I love it. It's like my favorite thing I get to do. Talk to cool, interesting people like yourself, have some questions from the guests if they want to chime in every once in a while. It's just so much fun uh, to kind of just learn about you and your life and everything you've done because you've done a lot of cool stuff. Again, you got a podcast that you've had. It has over a quarter million downloads if i'm not mistaken so that's mm -hmm. you know cool 250,000 um slightly ahead of me i'm catching up but slightly mm -hmm. ahead of me uh you wrote a book which is incredible but i guess let's go back to rowing so you went to the university of oklahoma uh boomer sooner if i'm not mistaken shout yep. out my good friends dr jones um so you were the cox correct is that the correct terminology if i'm not mistaken doesn't yep. sound like okay that's cool. the coxin um... coxin thank you i apologize not not totally up to date on it so did you you didn't row then did you no so oh, okay. uh, i was this not changes, a rower. This, okay this changes the course of conversation a little bit but yeah tell me a little bit about your uh, division one career you got there yeah so for those that don't know the coxswain is a small person at the very back of the boat and i'm not actually rowing but i'm like steering and commanding got the microphone yelling at everyone so it's a really interesting role you know because technically I am still an athlete but I'm not really measured on performance in terms of like how much weight I could lift how fast I am anything like that but yeah so I grew up you know in Boston where it's kind of a big sport around here you know you got the big Charles River and then moving to a landlocked state of Oklahoma not a lot of people knew about rowing there um, so it was a big transition but I did rowing all four years there absolutely loved it 
Yeah, I uh, I went to an event up in Boston. It was like really big. I can't remember the name of it. It was huge, absolutely gigantic event. It was so yeah. cool. It was like one of the first rowing events I ever went to, and it was done to the nines, and it was so interesting and so cool. And now I feel bad because I can't remember the name. Head of the, of the Charles. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Thank you. Yes, and it was incredible. I had so much fun. Met so many cool people, so many athletes, parents, and just you know vendors and everybody in just the rowing world. And it's a very interesting world. As I told you beforehand, I worked for U.S. Rowing for uh, call it about eight months. Very interesting uh, to kind of see what it was like on the inside of an Olympic sport. Uh, and see everything that's going on so much for the athletes so much for the sport itself i guess did you like yeah you go to oklahoma was it the plan to be a division one athlete i feel like that's kind of you don't just like waltz in is like oh, i'll try this out like was that were you recruited how was that how was that process done yes i was 100 percent recruited i'd never even been to oklahoma before and i like had their coach reached out and i almost like crossed it off my list i was like why would i move there and they're like just give it a chance so I was like, okay, fine. Like, I'll go visit. They, like, flew me out there. And immediately I was like, yes. Like, I, I do love it here. And it was a, a big change, you know, but it was really cool. Um, So rowing is what brought me there. The only thing that had me stay right after I came back. <laughs> there you go. And there's nothing wrong with that. Rowing, so as you said, you got to – a lot of people get to learn about rowing Um, out in Oklahoma. There's actually, like, a training site, if I'm not mistaken. U.S. Rowing has a site out there. I remember hearing, you know, Paul George when he, he came to the Oklahoma City Thunder. He put a bunch of money into it because he wanted to get into the community. A lot of cool stuff going on. So as weird as it sounds that mm -hmm. you went to Oklahoma to be a Division One athlete in rowing, there's actually, like, just some legitimacy to that down there, which is kind of funny. It sounds absolutely absurd, right? It sounds like the desert. It sounds like, you know, the Midwest Tornado Alley. But, nope, you guys are just rowing down there, which I think is awesome. So with that, I guess, what how – as you said, it kind of Oklahoma it, being in Oklahoma, rowing was the only thing that kept you there. How much longer after school were you in Oklahoma or was this, you know, hey, it's senior year. I guess I'm done. I'm going home. Yeah, I, I was trying to get out because, you know, I, I did love rowing, but those final year, almost two years, I was getting so burnt out. And that was like the only thing that I associated, you know, with school and with Oklahoma was rowing. Like I came here for rowing and I had almost just been like, okay, like that chapter of my life is done. Like I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to be, you know, like the next phase of my life. And so I was like itching to get out at that point. And so how, what was that transition like? Right. Cause maybe you weren't, you know, doing all the physical things that these, you know, other athletes were doing, but you're still waking up at, I don't know, some ridiculous hour. I'm sure you're still out there. You're still, when it's cold and windy, you're still, you know, going through the elements. So what was it like to kind of, I guess, come home and go back to, you know, quote unquote, normal type of life? Yeah. So as I mentioned, like I was ready for it or at least I thought I was ready for exactly, it because yep. I was like so sick of rowing so I was like oh I must be ready for that next stage and it's gonna be so exciting so I moved home and I realized very quickly that I almost felt behind compared to everyone else I had never had an internship I never had a summer job a part-time job anything I wasn't even going out for interviews because leading up to graduation is when our season was and it was competition and so I came out of it and, you know, it's like a shot to the ego, you know, I was used to always being successful in college. And now I'm like, okay, I have to start from scratch. And not only that, but in my head, I had this idea of like what an athlete is. And it's someone that has to work out twice a day, every day and like watching everything you eat and being so competitive. And so I was like, okay, I don't have time for any of that anymore. So I didn't join a gym and I didn't join any new clubs or communities to try to like meet people and so 
it was a year after college that I looked back and I was like, I don't even recognize myself anymore. Here was someone that like, I couldn't even name any gyms in my area. I stopped caring about what I, how I was moving my body, how I was treating my body. I wasn't feeling ambitious anymore. I was no longer that like high achieving athlete person I was. It was definitely a tough transition that I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to like, right. Your whole life you're doing something and then all of a sudden you're not. So like, mm -hmm. obviously there's going to be some sort of just kind of feeling out period. I'm kind of curious why, and, and you're not the only athlete I've talked to that said this. Why do you think it's such a big discrepancy, right? Why doesn't it go from, you know, I'm, I'm this super high level achieving athlete to like, okay, now I go on runs a couple of days. Like, why is there, I feel like there's never like a big middle ground when it comes to athletes going from being at the top of their game to just going right. I don't want to say doing nothing, but almost kind of falling all the way down. As you said, in a year, you don't even realize the person you are. Why do you think there's such a big gap there? Yeah. Well, in terms of working out specifically, how you mentioned, you know, we're so used to being at the top of our game. We're so used to, okay, going after PR after PR and constantly improving. And so then when you're left on your own, some athletes do try to continue pushing themselves. Like I know teammates are like, oh, I'm going to still continue training like I did. Or, you know, yeah, I was a rower, but now I'm going to be a marathoner or an Whoa. ultra like, and they have like this next big goal. And in that circumstance, you know, if you don't take a break, a lot of that can also lead to burnout just later on where you have on the opposite end, the person that's like, you know, I am going to keep working out, but maybe not as much. And then they go to the gym and they find that they can't lift the same amount that they're used to, or they're getting slower on the indoor erg from when they were training for rowing in college. And that, that hurts your ego, right? You're like, I spent four years getting better and better, and better. And now I'm moving backwards. Is this even worth it? And athletes all the time get into this like all or nothing mindset where if you're not giving 100% or you're not improving, like it's not even worth doing. And then unfortunately, that's what leads to a lot to not work out anymore, including me. And that that's we I just had an incredible guest, um, uh, volleyball player, Kim, Kim Heldreth, I think is her last name. As I told you, I'm terrible last name. She was an incredible guest. Go check out her episode. It was only a couple ago. But she said the exact same thing, right? Athletes are 110% or it's not worth it. Like, why am I even bothering? And as you said, most athletes, there has to be a little bit of ego involved if you want to do something like that, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of the name of the game when it comes to it. How, you know, as, as you said, about a year out, you then realize like, who, who the heck am I? Like, what's going on? When, how hard was it to kind of take that self-assessment, take be self-aware of what's going on and say, I got to put this back into gear. And then understanding it's really hard to get back to 100%. I might not ever get there again, but it's still worth my time. It's still something that I need to put the effort and energy into. Yeah. So I realized, you know, I could never be a full-time athlete again. I can never dedicate 40 hours of my life to it. And maybe I'll never be at that peak shape again, but there's still aspects of it that you might miss. And those aspects you can recreate again. For some people, they loved competition and sports because they love the teammate aspect. Okay. How can you find teammates maybe with intramurals? Some people like, you know, just the funness of it. Like they think it's fun to move their body. Okay, maybe they'll like group fitness classes where you have all the loud music and instructors. Some people like the competition. Like, and as I mentioned, I like the motivating part of encouraging others. So whatever that part is that you like from sports, it's able to replicate somewhere else. And so that's when I kind of started like figuring that out. And like that flipped the switch for me of like, I don't have to go back to rowing. I don't have to go back 
to competition and beating myself up and all this other stuff, I can just go back to like finding that like part of sports that I liked and including that part in my current life. And how did you do that? Like, it sounds easy, right? Like, it sounds very easy, but I feel like it is easier said than done. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was like, it took a year yeah, to right? get exactly. to that yeah. first thought process. <laughs> and point. then it's like, okay, now even where? But I think that it starts with, one, you have to go through a period of rest. I also call it kind of like a period of grief where you feel like you've been kicked out of the nest and now you're on your own and you're like, wow, this is brand new. And sometimes like the newness can be bright and shiny and sometimes it's scary. But that is a part that you have to go through and you can't rush through that. And then after that, you know, I think that we can't be afraid to try new things, to put ourselves out there and to be beginners again. If you're coming from the top competition, if you're coming, you know, I was division one athletics and I was like, yeah, I'm used to like, you know, competing with the best. And so to go back and like humble myself and be like, I have to start over at something new. Like I have to now be that person that's like going to tryouts and like missing the net like 10 out of 10 times, but just not being afraid to put yourself out there because that's how you found the first love of sports is from being a beginner. And so you can't be afraid to be a beginner again. And that's why I started the podcast. I didn't have a background, but I was like, I'll try it. And then I liked it. And then I tried writing a book and I liked that. But there were so many other things I tried along the way that I I didn't like. (laughs) And you're not going to find those things that you like until you're trying just a little bit of everything. Um, And so that's kind of like my big suggestion is, you know, you you can't rush it, but you have to put yourself out there. Yeah, you got to try a bunch of stuff. Like, you'll know, how are like, right? Like, it's, it is so interesting because again, you you kind of get that as a, as an elite athlete. Me speaking about elite elite athletes only because I've been able to interview so many, not because I am one. But understanding, like you have to, like you've been on such a one track, right? Like so few athletes uh, in today's day and age, and and you know, kind of you know, previously a little bit, it was always, oh, you're good at baseball. Well, you're playing baseball four seasons out of four seasons, and in the winter, it's like you're still like, it's not quite as much, but you're still training like four days a week. Right. And there's that just like mental burnout of, you know, someone playing a sport for 10, 15 years, you're 25. It's like, all right, like this kind of just don't want to do this anymore. And as you said, like the whole reason you fell in love with baseball in the beginning was because it was fun. It was interesting. It was new. So I completely agree. You got to just try a bunch of stuff and be prepared to suck. Um, As you said, though, with that ego aspect, again, going back to it, like elite athlete, top of the food class, top of the chain, division one. How hard are those first couple 10 out of 10 misses where you're like, all right, no, I promise like this is eventually going to get better. Like I feel like there's a lot of kind of self-talk that you got to keep putting yourself through. It's like, no, going to come back next Tuesday. I used to be great at this, but I'm going to suck again. This is fine. Yeah, no. Well, that's the thing with athletic retirement is there's not really too many other things where you completely retire from, you know, when you're in your 20s Mm -hmm. or for the most extreme athletes like 30s is when they can push yeah. it out too, right? Like that's like saying a doctor, okay, you're going to go to the four years of undergrad, four years of grad, residency. Then you're only going to work for four years at the top of your career. And then you got to start over somewhere new. Like, so this idea that you do have to start over new, I think that's why so many athletes you find stay connected to sports in some way. A lot become coaches, sports commentators. We're both having podcasts about it. Like, they love to stay connected with the game. And so I think that that can be a huge benefit too. If you can be afraid of like, oh, I don't want to start over. Okay, well, 
how can you build on the skills that you may have already started building when you were an athlete? Yeah, and I think especially it's, it's really interesting, right? As you said, the most elite of elite athletes, they're, they're making it to 30, let's call it. And, you know, if you're not in one of the major, I don't know, five or six sports, you're really not getting paid that much. So it's very, it's just, it's difficult to make it to 30 physically. It's difficult to make it there mentally. And it's also extremely difficult to make it there financially, right? You're coming from a sport of rowing where there's, I mean, let's just be honest, there's only so much money in the, in the, in the sport of rowing for an athlete to be made, unfortunately. I'm kind of curious from your perspective, and this is kind of just off the top, now with NIL making the opportunity for athletes in college, I've seen myself frozen on the screen. Do you see me frozen on the screen? I do see you frozen. Oh, that's screen. super weird. I wonder if I come back. All right, well, this is a funny face, so we'll keep going with it. Now with NIL as an opportunity for athletes, have you found that there's a better path to after? Is there a better path to something else? Because now there's this opportunity to make a couple dollars and potentially just grow your brand before you eventually do leave school yeah so I definitely think that there's some huge pros and cons with that so obviously the pros is I love that athletes are able to start doing that while they're in school you know they can kind of start thinking a little bit about afterwards of like let's grow my brand now let's you know put more effort into here to support me in life after sports but then the con of it too is you know, I keep thinking about if I was that person and I was doing NIL stuff and I was getting the brand deals and I was an athlete, I'd almost be afraid to create a new identity for myself after. I would be so stuck in that old mindset. All right. We had to hop to the other camera. Thank you so much for you're incredible. It's like you've done this before. So you were able to easily run through that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's super difficult, right? Like, it's not the easiest thing in the world for athletes to to be able to do that. There are a lot of positives. Not too many people talk about the negatives, obviously, because we don't. Where's where's the fun in talking about negatives? But I do think it's it's really interesting that there are, you know, opportunities for athletes like yourself, right? Now, you, many of these athletes can go start a podcast in college. Yeah. Before they really like weren't able to do something like that. Many athletes could go write a book. They can build their social media followings, which would then just allow essentially them to have this kind of quote unquote life after sports that they can build during sports which before they really weren't you guys weren't really you guys and girls obviously weren't really able to uh to be able to do again thank you so much for that phil you were incredible absolutely incredible so let's talk about i guess so we talked about you transitioning when and i guess at what time were you like hey this is kind of fun like maybe i should help other people with this because there's got to be more athletes having a little trouble right so it's funny. I actually didn't know that other athletes struggled with this. Get and so I started my podcast um, when COVID hit because I was sick of seeing all this toxic messaging online of like lose the COVID-20 and like just work out to lose weight. And I was like, no, let's make this fun. So I created a podcast with fitness motivation all about how to like have fun at the gym, have fun moving your body, all of that. And I thought that it was going to be geared towards very beginner athletes or not athletes, very beginner, like fitness enthusiasts who mm -hmm. are like, oh, I'm afraid to go to the gym, but I'll like play this. What I found, though, was my top listeners were all of these ex-athletes and all of these other elite athletes. And they were like, Emily, like, I haven't worked out in a year. I haven't worked out in two years. I haven't been able to find stuff that I like again. And so I was like, wait, that's why I started this. Like, I also went through this. And so it turned into, you know, being this issue that I didn't know we were all struggling with, even though these were my teammates. And these are people I spent every day with for four years. And obviously, you know, they went through the transition at the same time. But I just didn't realize that all of my, like, self-confident issues, all of my, like, 
loneliness and just like stress all came from the fact that like I didn't know how to transition well like I went from this period of being a great athlete and then finally like two years later I went to this period of like okay I'm gonna like start this podcast and I like found a love of fitness but that whole messiness in between I had no plan (laughs) I had no like sense of where I was going or why I was struggling and so that's when I then turned my focus into other athletes and I'm like if we can just start talking about the fact that athletes struggle with this, like then they'll know that they're not alone and that there actually can be an easier way through this transition. Considering you, you athletes spend pretty much all their times with each other. Why is it why it's surprising to me that either this topic never gets brought up in, in between, you know, on, on teams like why? Why did you feel like this was an isolated incident for yourself rather than there might be other athletes, you know, how many division one at what's the, there's that Jerry Rice commercial or whatever it is, 90, whatever percent of athletes go pro in something else. They're still probably hunger, hunger for the, the athletic aspect of it. They don't just want to go work at some corporation where they don't really care about you. Right. So I guess like, where was your, why did you think there was a little bit of a dis- disconnect there? Well, I was almost embarrassed. I was like, really? I can't admit to my teammates. So that's that the I, ego like, coming back in. Okay. Oh, so much ego. 100%. <laughs> but I was like, I can't like admit that I'm no longer in shape and that I no longer am going to the gym and that like, you know, I'm starting this next thing. Like I, I almost felt like, oh, if I just ignore it and I forget that that used to be me and I forget that I used to be disciplined enough to wake up at 5 a.m. every day and like that I had that type of motivation and discipline I was like what if I just do that in my nine to five right what if I just do that somewhere else um but but it didn't work like that and so I think that you know part of it was embarrassment part of it was just ignoring it and what I found is that just ignoring it didn't go away yeah, it definitely doesn't go away. Um, but at least you figured it out, right? I think that's the important part. And then you were able to figure out like, hey, let me just try this thing. That's where, you, you know, the podcast comes in. And then you, you realize there's so many other athletes. I guess what's the next step in like, what's the next logical business step there, right? Like keep doing the podcast, of course, like keep bringing on guests. But like what what's after you find that out, after you find out, wait, there's a huge market here. What are your next thoughts? Because as you said, there was kind of that messy period in between, right? And then you, you found something that you really like doing. Did you run with it immediately? Was it something like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I'm glad I'm helping people out. Like, how did you how did you navigate those waters? Because I could see that being a little messy as well. Yeah. So I absolutely love the podcast because I'm talking with not only other athletes, but nutritionists that work with athletes, personal trainers, like people that, you know, go through the transition so many different ways. And I loved it. But I realized that, you know, while it brings people motivation and encouragement for maybe like 20 to 30 minutes at a time. I still wasn't giving them like any plans of like, this is what you do once you stop. And then this is what you do next. Mm -hmm. And this is what you do. And that kind of like logical coxswain part of me, I I needed something like that. And so that's what led me then to write my book, Elite to Everyday Athlete. Because if, because in my head, I was like, okay, if I could give one piece of advice to a graduating athlete, to someone who just went through injury, to someone who just quit their sport, whatever, and I could just hand them the book and be like, this is your answer. Like, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so that's kind of what I went through next of just spending a year researching and interviewing other athletes of like, what is the best steps to take in order to have a smooth transition? And I'm sure there's lots of different 
takes, right? Like not everybody's the same. So I guess I'm kind of curious, how did you manage that aspect of the book? Because I, I don't know if I can't remember if we said in the beginning, but we actually both went through the same course, right? We both went through the Creators Institute. Shout out Professor Coster. He's incredible. I also got a couple extra of my friends in there because I thought it was such a fun course. So if anyone wants to learn more about it, please reach out to me, reach out to Emily. I'm sure I gave, I give everyone glowing reviews. I'm sure you do the same because it was mm -hmm. such a fun process and such a cool opportunity. How did you navigate those waters of the, you know, the interviews? Because I'm sure you had many from your podcast, right? I'm sure you mm -hmm. then interviewed many more. How did you kind of give that? As you said, I want to give you the step by step, but everybody's going to be different. So this person did this and this person did that. Like, I'm kind of curious, how did you like lay that out for everybody so that it's not just a very rigid one through 10? It's here are some options, right? Because sometimes people just need a couple different options to figure out what's best for themselves. Yeah. So that's interesting. So yes, I do have steps, but it's not like, okay, step one is like, get a job. And then from there, you're going <laughs> to <Yeah. laughs> like, get a house, you know, like the steps are more what like, fence? maybe a dog. <laughs> yeah, the steps are more like taking a look at different areas of your life and how they were affected by sports. So for instance, step number one is talking about the psychology of what happens when you leave sports, because that wasn't really talked about. As I mentioned, you know, I was burnt out, ready to go. Okay, next chapter of my life. But what I didn't realize was that it's actually, you're going through the emotions of grief. Like in one day, if you like walk away from sports in one day, okay, now you're losing your mentors who are probably your coaches. You're losing your community of teammates. You're losing your hobby, your passion, maybe your job. I was on scholarship. I was losing all of that at once. And no one ever described it as being maybe like grief or mm -hmm. loss. And so I'm just trying to, you know, reframe thoughts of like, if you start thinking about it that way, then yes, that can make sense of like why transitioning out will affect you years later, right? Like it's it's not like I'm saying, oh, you're going through a death and it's gonna be terrible, but just reframing it that way. And another thing that comes up a lot in the book too is, you know, when you're an athlete, you're, you're taught to think about things like very strict ways. And you don't even realize that you have these rules for yourself. One of the rules that I had around working out that I didn't realize was, okay, a workout has to be at least 45 minutes. Rest days can only be like one day a week. You can work out once or twice a day, like twice a day is fine. And like, I had these things in my head of what working out looks like. And then I realized afterwards, like going for a walk, which I know you love walks. I love walks. <laughs> going for walks, like that can be your workout for the day. It doesn't have to be at the gym. It doesn't have to be a certain time period it doesn't have to even make you sweat like you can just move your body and so that's kind of what I have been tackling it's not like a step-by-step -step, you have to do this this and this but more how can we start breaking these rules that we had in our heads that we didn't know we were following yeah I think that's really interesting right that's so true it's like oh two days are cool right like I did two days for freaking eight straight years whatever it's not a big deal it's like well, now you're like 25 like all right your, your body doesn't quite work the same as it did you're still peak but like you're not 20 anymore, right? There's there is a difference there. And you also have a job and you have friends and you know you you you're, and you're not with your rowing teammates or your teammates all the time, so you don't get mm -hmm. that community as you were saying. So that is really interesting that you do have these I guess kind of more unwritten rules, right? They're not like very they're just like, "Oh no, this is how it works." It's like, "Well, why?" Like, let's question a couple of these things because I'm sure there's something you can get in there. You can get a nice walk in. Who doesn't love a nice walk? If I could walk for a living, I would do that. I'd be the best at it. I'd love it. I don't think there's really too much opportunity there, unfortunately, but I'll get there maybe one day, maybe one day. And I guess, so like, what was the, so the podcast obviously has had got, gotten great response. 
what else what else can people find out in the book for the for the listeners give them a little bit more like what are what are some of the other lessons what are some of the other things that they can find some of the cool interviews that just again like it just opens their eyes right you're, you're this isn't isn't you know maybe like the end all be all these are the things you have to do but i always think it's it's true like if you just listen to one news station, first, stop listening to the news. That's a personal thing. But if you just listen to one news station, you're never going to actually find out the whole story. You're only going to find half of the story out. So you kind of have to open yourself up to a couple different places. Like that sounds like it's really what you were able to do, right? You were able to get all these interesting stories, all these people that have had different experiences and they can kind of share different aspects of their life. What are some of the other things that people listening could, you know, why, why should they go buy the book just to, you know, they're a former athlete or they're a current athlete and they kind of know that this is coming. Like what are some of the proactive things, reactive things that they could do to kind of set themselves up for greatness? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the part that I wish I had more of was being more proactive. <laughs> yes, I mean, we all like, do, don't we? That's not just you. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I waited so long to be like, oh, I am more than just an athlete. So I think that another big thing that, you know, I talk about in the book too, is how our relationship with our bodies have a lot to do with our transition out too, which I don't think a lot of people realize. You know, when you're a competing athlete, a lot of your worth is put into your body. Like, how is your body performing? That's your vehicle that wins you medals, that gets you PRs. And so what happens when you retire, when a lot of people retire, and you start to see your body change, that can bring up a lot of emotions. When I remember when I started gaining weight afterwards, I would like look at myself and I'm like, I'm no longer an athlete, right? Like, cause I don't look the part, but there, there isn't a part to look. Your body's just changing, which is normal. And so, you know, on top of that, just athletes already have a lot of body dysmorphia issues. And so this huge component of the book is trying to just develop body acceptance and being just comfortable with the fact that it's going to change no matter what, no matter if you're now thinning out or gaining weight, losing muscle, gaining muscle, like it, your worth is not tied to it, even if that's kind of the belief you had when you were an athlete without even knowing it. Yeah, right. It's been your whole life. Again, like it's something that you've, you've been able to point to. It's like, no, I, I'm in incredible shape because I'm an athlete. It's like, well, mm -hmm. now I'm in regular shape, I guess, like probably probably not even like you're just not at like this insane, you know, body weight index or whatever. And it's just like, oh, I'm not the same. It's like, no, you're you're still great. Like you got nothing to worry about. And I think aside from the physical aspect, I'm sure there's a lot of mental, you know, aspects to it too. Like I don't want to armchair expert, but I'm sure a lot mm -hmm. of athletes go through some form of depression or, or something, as you were saying, like the grief that comes with it. And by putting it in those terms, it's very easy to understand what, what can they, you know, be, be looking for in the book that can, again, neither of us are doctors here, but I'm sure there's some things that you can help with, but just saying like, Hey, like, here's some of the things I did. Here's some of the things these other incredible athletes did just to kind of remind yourself be positive like do what you need to do you can still go out on a run just like don't run yourself into the ground anymore maybe yeah no i mean to keep it simple just creating any sort of routine or habits for yourself is what will really like ground you back into being that athletic self or that ambitious self so you mentioned the mental aspect and i i really didn't want to get too much into it into the books as you said you know not a doctor but people are experiencing grief which triggers the feelings of depression and anxiety. And then what is a great outlet for depression and anxiety? Well, usually people exercise. Yes. And then you're taking away people's outlet of exercise. So now they're just stuck with no way of coping. Like that was their coping mechanism. And so that's why I like strongly urge athletes. Well, yes, you don't need to continue working out like you were an athlete. Just any sort of movement 
is so important. I think more so for the emotional and mental aspect, right? When you retire more so than the physical one, even, um, and just kind of getting yourself into the routine of like, okay, I'm still going to treat my body. Well, I'm still going to care for myself and trying to put in those little routines and habits that look different than when you were an athlete. Yeah. I, I would even double down and say everybody, right? Everybody yeah. should do some form of exercise just because it's, it's physically, it's good for you, but mentally it's extremely important. And now that the weather is starting to get nicer here up in the Northeast, maybe get outside on that extra walk. Emily, this has been absolutely fantastic. Very grateful that you, you were able to come on and kind of explain a little bit about what you're doing. Where can we find the podcast? Give us the socials. Where can we find the book? Drop it all here for anybody listening. It'll be in the show notes uh, when everything comes out, but Emily, yeah the horse's mouth let's do this well thank you so much the podcast is live your personal best talking all about fitness and healthy living motivation check it out where you're listening here and then the book elite to everyday athlete you know on amazon barnes and nobles and follow me on instagram at live your pb love it thank you so much emily i sincerely appreciate it very grateful as i said before grateful to everybody listening as well as you again emily for your time it's the only thing we don't get more of so thank you everybody for a little bit of yours again five-star review blah 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 everyone knows what it is go check your stuff out it's obviously incredible and uh yeah that's about it thanks everybody thanks